Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the October Movies Podcast. Coming up, we have the latest cinema and DVD disc news. Chris reviews A House of a Thousand Corpses, and We Were Soldiers on Blu-ray Disc, and Kaz reviews Knocked Up on HD DVD. Plus, in our roundtable, we discuss the latest events in the HD DVD and Blu-ray Disc War. From AV Play, it's this week's DVD and HD news and reviews. And as always, I'm joined by the AV Forums review team. We have Chris McAnini. Hi, Chris. Hello. We have Kaz Harlow. Yeah, hello. And we also have Simon Crust. Hi, Simon. Howdy. So to kick off this week, we're going to talk about upcoming cinema releases. And to start off, we'll go to Kaz. And you have two that you want to talk about. So what are they? Yeah, well, quite a while I've been looking forward to War, which is the new Jason Stratham Jet Li action film. I mean, it's... It's just going to be Jason Statham and Jet Li kicking the hell out of each other, but um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. They both uh, made their good and bad movies, um, and they're both good at martial arts, and I hope we see plenty of it in that. Um, It's been sitting on the back burner for a while under several different titles like Rogue, uh, and it's... um, it, it was made quite a while back, so I'm glad it's finally seeing release. Of the slightly more intellectual calibre, um, there's Michael Clayton, which is the new George Clooney movie. I think he's a slightly corrupt lawyer who figures out on one of his last days of work that the case he's working on is has got some kind of conspiracy running behind it. And um, he looks good in it. Looks like he's going to put in a powerful performance and uh, it's already pulling back some good reviews. Okay, thanks for that, Kaz. And moving on to Chris, what do you have cinema-wise? Well, um, Zooming Our Way is a film that could well become one of the most hated remakes of all time. Um, This is, of course, Rob Zombie's um, much-vaunted and also highly-anticipated remake of John Carpenter's classic Halloween uh, many would say, what the hell is he playing at trying to remake such a seminal stalk and slash classic? Uh, and I would tend to agree with that. So I'm, I'm kind of very looking forward to seeing if he's either caught the tone, messed it up completely, or, uh, you know, j- just how it all pans out. I believe he deviates a little bit here and there. And, and Michael Myers now is certainly a much bigger hulking brute of a, of a monster. Um, and I'm pretty keen to see what he's done with it. It won't tarnish the original, of course, but who knows? Rob Zombie, not the greatest filmmaker on earth, although, as you will hear a bit later on when I review the Blu-ray of House of a Thousand Corpses, this is a director and filmmaker that I never used to like, but I'm sort of swinging towards his way of thinking. I don't know why that is, but uh, I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to go and see this and make up my own mind. Halloween 2007. Exciting stuff. And moving uh, finally on to Simon for the last bit of cinema news. What do you have, Simon? 
Uh, well, mine is looking at the 14th of December, actually. It's a new uh, animation film from DreamWorks called B-Movie. Now, I have seen the ads for this in the cinema, and it looks reasonable. It's right in time for Christmas. It's bound to be aimed squarely, fairly and squarely at uh, all of our kids. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, Renny Zellweger. I haven't heard too much about it, other than what I know from seeing the, uh, the trailers. It looks fun. Will it be another Ants? Who knows? Let's hope so. So that wraps up our cinema news. And guys, I understand that none of you have been to the cinema in the last uh, few weeks. Any reasons for that? Work, work, more work and no money. Yeah, there hasn't been anything that's really caught my eye lately. So I think it's all it's all coming out later in the year for me, I think. Well, there are a few films I'm vaguely interested in, like 310 to Yuma and Atonement um, and maybe even the extended cut of Death Proof, but I just haven't got around to seeing them. The only one that really, really is crying out for me to go to the cinema to see it was um, Shoot 'em Up, uh, and I still haven't got around to that. There's no real excuse other than, as as Chris said, work. You just get preoccupied with things which I suppose are more important, but don't feel like it. Oh God, don't we all know that feeling? So that wraps up our uh, cinema news for this month, and we'll move quickly on to the disc news. You're listening to the AV podcast. So moving on, it's now time for the high definition and DVD disc news. And first up is Chris. So Chris, what do we have uh, this month? Uh, well, a couple of things that I'm looking forward to. They're, I'm afraid they're lowly standard DVDs, folks. So don't get too excited about it. Um, but it's, it's vintage stuff again from the guy who loves vintage more than anything else in the world. Um, first of all is the um, much you know anticipated release of Robinson Crusoe on Mars. A really hokey, stupid title, I know, but it's a tremendous uh, sci-fi classic, which I certainly haven't seen for a long, long time. And it's coming out on a Criterion uh, double disc, I believe. And there is absolutely quite a lot of stuff that's um, been packed onto this release. Um, and I'm, I, as I say, I'm completely looking forward to this. It's a great, great movie. It's made by the guy who did the original War of the Worlds. Um, the effects are fantastic for their time and the setting which was Death Valley standing in for Mars looks absolutely splendidly eerie and otherworldly great great stuff can't wait for that myself and another one again it's um, vintage stuff it's Fox Horror Classics which as the title gives away are three horror classics from Fox coming out um, on the 9th of October and it's Hangover Square which is uh, about a, a composer who suffers from blackouts and uh, meets an attractive woman who wants to steal his music and his blackouts may result in murder. There are quite a few features on that one, commentary tracks, um, a little uh, documentary here and there, restoration comparison. Also you have The Lodger in the same box set from 1942, which is another great Jack the Ripper um, genre movie. Very atmospheric. Again, you've got commentary tracks on it. You've got um, a vintage radio show apparently on it, performed by Vincent Price, which should be should be nice. Uh, another restoration comparison, and then you have the one I'm really looking forward to. And this is a film that I was going to put into my little Full Moon Frenzy Werewolf Festival, which is currently having a bit of a breather at the moment. It's a film called The Undying Monster from 1942, which was a very very rarely seen um, movie. Very spooky very atmospheric uh, in the UK it was known as the Hammond Mystery um, it's finally coming out um, on a, with a good release again you've got a few extras there a couple of galleries the ubiquitous restoration comparison and you have a, a little documentary on the films of John Brahm who directed this particular movie 
I am really looking forward to this. It's priced at $26.98, and I say that comes out on 9th of October. And as soon as I've got it, you can rest assured I'll be bugging a review in of it as well. So that's that's me sorted out for what's coming soon for me. And uh, Chris, I take it those are US releases? Yeah, they're Region 1 releases, yeah. Okay, moving on to Kaz. Kaz, what do you have for us this month? Uh, well, actually, I'm looking forward to a few new releases on uh, High Def um, at the end of the year. Uh, December sees the release of Rush Hour 3 on Blu-ray. Um, it's the latest Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker installment in the franchise. I enjoyed the other two. Okay, they might be a little bit past it now. I'm not entirely sure, but I'll definitely check it out. Also, they're doing the Bourne Ultimate Collection, the Jason Bourne Collection, featuring all of the three movies and, I assume, most of the extras from the three discs. They haven't uh, announced that yet. Um, That's coming out on HD DVD on December 11th, and that's the biggest things I can think of to look forward to. Okay, thanks for that, Kaz. We'll move on to Simon. Simon, wrap it up for us, please. Okay, a um, couple of things that caught my eye. Um, one of my, in fact, probably my most favourite film of all time coming out um, from Eureka Entertainment um, on the 19th of November, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, in a, a definitive 2007 uh, restoration. Um, now, I didn't really know much about this, to be honest, and, and I was ecstatic to get the, uh, the press release through the post about this one. Um, Two-disc special edition release, with the original intertitles and the original score. How incredible is that from a film in 1921? So uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, It's got a full-length audio commentary. It's a a 96-page booklet coming with it, a 56-minute documentary about about Murno and the filming of the film. This is going to be a great release for me. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Standard definition, Region 2, that one. Um, And the other thing that caught my eye, um, which being released in the US on HD, DVD and Blu-ray, again, this is December the 11th, just in time for Christmas, is the Harry Potter limited edition gift set. This is the first five films to be released on on both HD and Blu-ray in the high definition format. Quite a bit of money, but obviously I think this is going to be a very, very popular buy for just about everyone. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I know my kids are looking forward to it, and I know my kids are going to want me to get it. So hopefully I'm going to be able to get to review this one. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that wraps up our DVD disc news and high-definition news for this month, and we'll move on very swiftly to the reviews. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums Podcast. Okay, so we move on to our disc reviews this month, and first up is Kaz. Kaz, I understand you've knocked something up for us. Yes, indeed. Well, I've been checking out the follow-up film from uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. I'm a big fan of 40-Year-Old Virgin, and the director and writer behind it uh, has uh, produced this new film, knocked it up, as it were. It's it's great. It's great comedy. I, I like the... Uh, the concept of of forty year old virgin and I like the concept of knocked up and they play with both with very realistic characters for for those of you who don't know what it's about even though I would have thought it's pretty obvious um, it's uh, a young girl who, who uh, has a one night stand with this unemployed uh, loser who um, gets her pregnant and she they both have to come to terms with it and maybe grow up a little bit um, it's great. Very likable characters, um, very easy to associate with some of the things they talk about, some of the things they do, some of the things they've been through. Um, it doesn't go for surreal 
comedy. It doesn't go for extreme comedy. It goes for very palpable, realistic. It's uh, a, a hilarious two hours of your life. Um, it stars many of the cast members from Forty Year Old Virgin, led by uh, Seth Seth Ro- Rogen. Seth Rogen as the the lead guy, uh, who spends most of his time caned and uh, uh, lounging about and watching the naked bits out of mainstream movies. It, it's also got Catherine Heigl as a girl. She's gorgeous and she's very believable in the role. Um, and a whole wealth of, of the cast members return, as I state, in, including um, the writer-director's own wife, Paul Rudd, who I don't know whether you might remember, but he played one of the integral parts in 40-Year-Old Virgin. And uh, his, his reprisal here is sort of mirrors the character in that. In fact, you're likely to draw a lot of parallels because basically this was written as a sequel. It's supposed to have the same characters. And uh, they, they changed it around a bit to make it something new. But you can see how it's all there. And all the magic's back. Uh, all the ideas, all the sit-around friends talking about things that you've probably sat around with your friends and talked about yourself. And um, and some great, great humour. Uh, it's got a lot of swear words in. I didn't have a problem with it, but a lot of people are complaining about that. Um, and uh, it's got a few touching moments as well. Quality movie on HD. Um, I actually saved myself from seeing it in the cinema just so I could see the uncut version on uh, HD. Um, and technically video's great. The audio could have done with a better track than uh, Dolby Digital Plus, but people might argue that it's a comedy with little effects, so maybe it doesn't need it. I'd always argue that the best track is worth putting on a high-def release. Um, in terms of extras, there's, there's some HD exclusive stuff there. Um, unfortunately, whilst there's, there is plenty of material on the extras here, it doesn't encompass all the material released on the DVD releases, which is a little bit disappointing. I always think that HD releases should be the definitive versions. Still, a bunch of nice extras, also quite funny, and generally a solid release. Scoring, uh, the movie gets an 8 for me, video gets an 8, audio gets a 7, the extras get an 8, and I think you might have guessed overall that's an 8. Recommended, particularly if you like 40-year-old Virgin. And Kaz, that was uh, on which format? HG DVD, but it is a combo release, so you can flip it over and play the DVD, though I don't know who does actually do that. Okay, we'll move on to Chris, and it's Chris up next with a couple of reviews for us, so um, why don't you tell us about the first one? Okay, well, I've already mentioned um, so far tonight Rob Zombie, the infamous Rob Zombie. Um, His first movie, House of a Thousand Corpses, has uh, debuted now on... Uh, Region A, Blue, Blu-ray, and uh, this was a film I absolutely loathed with a vengeance when it first came out. Um, I thought the guy was um, as ridiculous uh, as a filmmaker as he, you know, as his music was as well. And first of all, it was just a completely dizzy, anarchic, zany take on um, the old Texas Chainsaw Massacre survival-style horror um, of the 70s, gritty, um, realistic sort of torture-thons, except that he lights it with garish neon and uh, populates it with completely OTT, um, bizarro, freak show characters. And, uh, you know, a bunch of two, two teenage couples contrive to end up in the titular house and uh, are subjected to all sorts of tortures, torments and degradations. 
now catching up with it on Blu-ray, bizarrely enough, I warm to it a hell of a lot. And I do not know how that's happened uh, in the intervening years. If I've because I, I didn't like Devil's Rejects, which was the the follow-up to House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I didn't like that at all. Although having said that, I'm now going to go and rewatch it because something in this movie now really tickled me. I I, I found the film a very very affectionate and very fun-packed homage to all the aforementioned horrors, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, Hills of Eyes, all the really old-school, brutal nasties that were always around. And the thing about Rob Zombie's films is that, although there's brutality in there, it's the sort of Billy Connolly sort of range of carnage, i.e. it just isn't that offensive. Things do happen. There's disembowelments, there's, you know, hand loppings and other sundry physical mutilations but it just doesn't seem to uh, there's no no way are these films as sick or as depraved as they're often labelled to be and another crazy thing is that Rob Zombie, hack filmmaker that I once you know, accused him of being for once, I accused him several times of being this and uh, but the thing is it's it's actually very involving again, what he's doing the teens are typically you know, middle class and unlikable and the uh, the bad guys, the nut jobs, are fully rounded characters. They're OTT, completely, you know, out of the, wacko, way out of the in the stratosphere sort of lunatics. But they're very funny. They're very articulate, and you know, you warm to them incredibly more so than you do to the uh, the, the victims. Anyway, the cast. Well, of course, Zom- Rob Zombie is a is a huge fan of. Um, Obviously, the Grindhouse movies, um, the old 70, gritty 70s exploitation stuff, and the sort of more polished nasties of the 80s, early 80s. So you're going to find in this the ubiquitous Sid Haig, who, of course, is now synonymous with Rob Zombie's movies, who is um, <laughs> Cap- Captain Spaulding, who runs... He's, he's, he's a great big guy, bald, but with a big bushy beard, and he's dressed as a clown. Um, it's, the white grease paint is on him, and he runs a roadside museum of oddities, freaks in glass jars, and strange, you know, weird and wonderful purveyor of legends as well. Uh, and he is dizzyingly, you know, fun to listen to. He's completely brazen, completely ribald, completely, you know, in your face. This is a guy who, in, in many, many uh, TV shows, for decades, he, he was the, the heavy of the week sort of thing in, like, you know, uh, the A-Team, Mannix, Policewoman, all those sort of things. And, you know, he used to frighten me. He made a film called Busting with Elliot Gould um, a long time ago, 1974, 75, that sort of era, which was a police um, corruption sort of thriller. And he played this mobster's, you know, henchman. And, my God, he, something about his demeanour, his attitude in that film, he, he frightened the hell out of me. I was only a kid when I saw it, but he, he gave me nightmares. And the weird thing is that as aggressive as he was in those days, and he was typecast in that sort of role, now, with age... He's mellowed, and yet Rob Zombie's picked him to play all these crazy, violent, you know, sickos, and yet you warm to him, you like him. It's a bizarre turnaround. Anyway, I have to say that I actually thoroughly enjoyed House of a Thousand Corpses this time around, and I fully expect people to think, what? You know, because this is the kind of film that you either love it or you loathe it, and this really doesn't appear to be much in the way of middle ground, but it's fun. Taken in the right frame of mind, with a colossal, you know, not a pinch of salt, but a, a truckload of salt, you can have a whale at a time. You've also got um, another uh, 60s and 70s era 
um, exploitation starlet of Karen Black, who plays um, sort of venereal villainess of the piece, the mother of the family who live in this house, um, a matriarchal nymphomaniac who is, presides over ritualistic, you know, um, desecrations and degradations, and it, it's it's just total sleazy fun, uh, and it really isn't that offensive at all, bizarrely. Now, it's come out on Blu-ray, and I've got to say, I am absolutely bowled over by the quality of it. Visually and orally, it is sensational. You've got it. It's a VC1 codec, and the the encode, the transfer is absolutely wonderful. It's a very bright, totally unrealistic-looking movie anyway. Just don't go looking for natural skin tones here or natural lighting aspects. You're not going to get it. It's bright, neon, in-your-face stuff. But it... The image is absolutely spellbinding. You've got no oversaturation or undersaturation. You've got no smearing. There's no artifacting. There's practically zero edge enhancements on it. It's a really, really crisp, sharp, beautifully colourful image. Um, Three-dimensionality is certainly there in some scenes. Um, there's a great sequence. I won't describe the sequence, but basically a character walks across from right into the middle of the, the, the frame and... Um, and behind it is what can, can be described as a complete and utter um, grainy, out-of-focus swell. But she stands proud from that, and it looks absolutely amazing. It, lo- it looks as though she's walked in front of a, a bizarre painting. And you know the, the picture is pin-sharp because of that. You do have a little bit of grain in some of the darker scenes, but this is not consistent. It's only a couple of times in some of the darker subterranean aspects of the movie. Um, otherwise, it's sensational. Sound-wise, again, this is from Lionsgate, who've been putting out their, their Blu-rays with some phenomenal sound mixes on them. We have here um, a 7, 7.1 DCS HD high-resolution track, and uh, although I can't take advantage of that at the moment, and I'm only, only hearing the DCS core from it, it is mind-blowing. Very, very good stuff. Very well-engineered, very well-steered around the setup. It's not all bombast. There's a lot of subtle effects in there, too. One particular effect just has... Um, the settling of the house, some wooden creak, creaking floorboards which emanate behind you. And at the time uh, when I was watching it, I, I had to stop and rewind, well, rewind it. I'm going back in time there, aren't I? I had to replay it again to make sure that there wasn't someone creeping down the side of my house because it literally was that good. So a sensational soundtrack there as well. You also have a Dolby Digital uh, 5.1 EX track which is no slouchy, very, very good. No complaints about that. Obviously the DTS takes it a stage further, more dynamic, more oomph, and, you know, very, very enjoyable. There's also a, a small but effective roster of extras on it, too. You have a, a commentary from Rob Zombie. Would have been better had some of the cast joined him on it as well, um, would have been a bit more spontaneous. But it's full of fact, full of anecdote, full of trivia, um, and the guy does not come across at all as the way you think he's going to. He's actually very articulate. He's very calm, cool, and collected. He's not at all, you think he's going to be wild and anarchic and totally, you know, flippant and off the cuff, but he's not like that at all. It's, it's a very sort of fact-based and very scene-specific track. You've got a very brief making-of featurette, and there's casting footage of some people rehearsing stuff, you know, in studios and in living rooms and that. There's a few interviews which are quite good fun. Uh, no one's taking the whole thing seriously, uh, so that, that, that's quite nice. You have a trailer, and you have an interactive game called Zombietron, uh, now, there's a warning at the start of this, not saying that it's going to be bloody, it's going to be nasty, hold on to your hats, you know, grab a sick bucket, just that older machines might not handle it too well. Well, my machine's pretty old, and I went on to the hardest setting on it, 
thinking that I was hard as well, obviously. And uh, I had no problem with it at all. The game isn't very good, to be honest. But, you know, it's nice that they're putting things like that on them, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm going to give that quite a thumbs up. Didn't expect to do that. Thoroughly thought I'd be trouncing it and hating it. But House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah, thumbs up from me. Uh, Score-wise, I gave that, well, (laughs) despite what I've just said, you know, being realistic, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 for the film. Although, right frame of mind, you can easily up that score to a 7. Um, sound, and vis- sound and visuals, 9-9 uh, nine, nine across the board. Um, extras are going to give it a 7, because, you know, what there is, I quite enjoyed. And overall, I'm going to give it an 8. Still can't believe you actually enjoyed it, though. <laughs> well, I, I know, I didn't expect to. I mean, I really... Well, Simon, you, you know, because um, you offered that a while ago, didn't you? And I said, I I'm going to have a nap, no way. <laughs> Because <laughs> I truly despised the movie at the start. I think what's, what's done it is I've seen Halloween, his version of Halloween, and was surprised to not hate it. In fact, to quite like some elements of it. So I viewed this with a bit more of an open mind, and you know, <laughs> it's good fun. <laughs> Can't deny it. It's just not. It's not a not a great horror film, but it's a it's a just a good slice of sleazy entertainment. Anyway, I'll move on, shall I? Moving on from uh, Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, what else have you been watching this month, Christopher? Well, Philip, um, I was thoroughly enjoying watching Mel Gibson in We Were Soldiers. Um, I think it's funny how a lot of big stars all seem to take a turn doing a tour of duty in Vietnam at some point in their filmic career. And uh, it was only a matter of time before Gibbo got there himself. And uh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. But there are, there are a few caveats which I'll come to. Um, this is based on Colonel Hal Moore's uh, recollections. Uh, the book was called We Were Soldiers Once and Young, which he co-wrote with uh, a war journalist called Joe Galloway. And it details in in horrendous, um, intimate detail, the unparalleled savagery of the first major engagement that the US Armed Forces had in Vietnam. 1965, the reformed 7th US Cavalry riding into battle on, in helicopters as opposed to horses. Um, and Colonel Moore, who was the commander-in-chief of this particular regiment, um, the irony of what happened to the prior 7th Cavalry, which was, of course, General George Armstrong Custer, defeated and massacred at the Air Battle of Little Bighorn almost 100 years before. And images of, of that particular uh, struggle you know, haunt him throughout three days of absolutely sheer balls-out butchery and hand-to-hand combat, because when they're dropped into the Ayadrang Valley in the, um, the highlands of Vietnam, they are immediately surrounded by not Viet Cong, not guerrilla um, squads or militia, but hardcore North Vietnamese army uh, who were already encamped and have fought many, many battles in this particular area and never lost. It's nicknamed the Valley of Death and, you know, for good reason. So they're dropped in and they are immediately surrounded. What follows is, well, obviously... It's, it's the filmic version of the, of the real events. Things are condensed, characters are condensed, um, but the basic essence of the story is still there and true to the, uh, the conflict. It is bravura, gung-ho, jingoistic, extremely bloody, very violent, and tremendously exciting. God, I love this kind of thing. Uh, you know, gung-ho war movies, you know, a last stand. It, it, I'm in my element with this kind of movie, honest to God. Gibbo is absolutely fantastic. Uh, he's not half aged, hasn't he? You know, from his days as Mad Max and that. But uh, with his with his tin pot helmet on and his battle fatigues, he still does the business. 
Second in command, he's got a his stalwart sergeant major, played by Sam Elliott, another absolute hero of mine. God, this guy, if he'd sent him to Vietnam, he could have just scared off the enemy just with his voice. And there's many, many standout moments of him just barking orders and growling at people. And brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The battle scenes, tremendous. Um, this is directed by uh, Randall Wallace, who actually wrote the script for Braveheart, which, of course, Gibbo made and won Oscars for. And uh, I'm not too sure. I think it was his, his actual directorial debut. Could be wrong about that. But anyway, it's a very assured piece. Um, the battle scenes are very commanding, very in-your-face. Uh, you do care about the people you see. Although perhaps one caveat would be that certain members are a bit short-changed by the version which finally got put out, which on this disc you'll see a number of deleted scenes which would flesh out their characters a little bit more. Um, but one error the film makes, it's an error only in my, in my opinion, is it sort of splits the narrative between the battlefield and the wives you know, in, and their anguish back on the uh, American base and hearing the uh, the bad news and receiving telegrams of people who've died. Now, this is an essential part of the book, and it's an essential part of, you know, what these people all went through, and I totally, you know, agree that it should be in there. But the strange thing is, that, of course, when you're putting heart and soul into a film like this, ironically, you, you're more interested in watching the bullets fly than the tears flow, and you kind of, the little breather when you go back home, you don't really want that so much, you just want to cut back to the action, and, uh, and, Boy, when it does, it doesn't disappoint. Featuring a, a truly fantastic balls out last ditch charge into the <laughs> into the maelstrom, fixed bayonets, giving it loads. Brilliant, great, great soundtrack as well. I've reviewed this already on the site, so read the review because it's just I go more in depth on it as I'm prone to do. Now this Blu-ray disc, uh, well, sadly, I don't think it's a particular. Visually, it's not a particularly major step up from the other standard because. Basically, it's it's a gritty, realistic sort of film. It's very colourful. It's not washed out. They haven't done any sort of bleach bypra- bypass on this, as is you know the case with a lot of war movies. The high contrast, blown out sort of look. It's very colourful, very ruddy and naturalistic, I suppose. But uh, it's very gritty. There's a lot of grain involved in it. Um, I didn't think it was the sharpest of transfers that I've seen. Certainly not enough to visually to warrant stepping up from the standard. There was no real elements of three-dimensionality. Detail is very good, um, but then again, it was great on the standard as well. It was certainly good enough to pass muster. Um, but where this disc does win out is the phenomenal... Uh, <laughs> once again, I'm going to wax lyrical about you know, a tremendous soundtrack. Now, this is not lossless, um, and this time around, it's no loss either, because what you have here, you've got a choice of... Um, you've got uh, Dolby Digital EX 5.1, and you've got DTS 6.1. Now, my God, they're both brilliant, absolutely brilliant tracks, very aggressive, very bombastic, zip-around effects are plenty, pinpoint accuracy of bullets flying across your explosions, whooping all over the place, helicopter rotor blades, split effects, all the channels are totally utilised. DTS, you won't be surprised to hear, absolutely trounces the uh, the EX. Uh, tremendous, very, very gung-ho, high-spirited. Uh, the amount of times the wife and the neighbours and the people in the next street have begged me to turn the bloody thing down uh, is, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> but it's very enjoyable, without a doubt. Listen up particularly for the um, the mortars. When the Yanks fire off mortars, the bass effect on it is absolutely wonderful because not only do you have the floor dropping out from beneath you and you have you know, the shock wave that flies past you as well, the, 
the upwards direction of the um, you know the shell, the mortar blasting off, it goes through the ceiling. It's so so well done, uh, especially when they set off a few of these in chain reaction. Wow, it's just it's hog heaven, isn't it? Tremendous stuff. Very very enjoyable. Now again, there's a few extras on this, but I don't think uh, off the top of my head that they differ too much from the standard. In fact, I think they're exactly the same. You have a commentary track by director Randall Wallace, which is very good. Um, the guy knows his stuff. He's ve- the, the good thing about this track is that he pays his respects, as you should do, to the people who wrote the book, the people who fought the battle. But he pays just as much respect to the actors who are portraying this. Um, he, he's sitting there, wa- literally watching a film with you, and he's getting moved by the bits that you're, get, you're supposed to get moved by. And you can hear his voice quavering. And, you know, it's... I connect. I think that's really wonderful him to do. A lot of directors or filmmakers on their chat tracks um, sort of stand aloof. They um, they they won't. They'll talk around things. They'll probably self praise themselves quite a bit. But this guy, you know, he definitely gives you know all the people involved in this movie a lot of credit, and he pinpoints little bits here and there which you should look out for. And it's 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 wonderful. A great great track. Thoroughly enjoyable. You have a documentary called Getting It Right, which is uh, only brief. Well, it's about half an hour long, but boy, does it pack some stuff into this. This covers a lot of ground. Won't go into it now, but it's great, great, fully recommended um, little documentary. You've got 10 deleted scenes, again, with an optional commentary from Randall Wallace. Um, again, these flesh out the characters a little bit more. Um, there's also a little bit more action as well, uh, where the scene had been shortened down. They're nice to see, and they say, some of them certainly would have added to the movie as well. Uh, and you have the theatrical trailer, and that's your lot. Uh, we Were Soldiers is a great film. Sadly, a lot of people don't seem to uh, bother with it, which I can't understand. You know, I've, got, I've got friends who are big fans of the likes of Black Hawk Down and rave on about its intensity, and you know, I heartily agree. But there's moments in We Were Soldiers which are you know pretty close to that. So, you know, if you're into your war movies, um, give it a shot. Definitely, it's well worth picking up, especially for the sound quality on this one, um, more so than the visuals. So that's, that's another Blu-ray release. Well recommended. Thank you very much, Chris. And those Blu-ray and HD DVD discs were supplied for review by MovieTime.com. So if you've been away having a bath or watching a movie while Chris has been giving us his <laughs> reviews, um, stay tuned because we're now going to move on and do our roundtable for this week, which is focusing on HD DVD and Blu-ray. Made by Enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. To wrap up this week, we're going to have a roundtable discussion. We haven't had one for a couple of months now. And with the developments within the HD DVD and Blu-ray camps recently at the various trade shows, we had Syria in Denver and we also had IFA in Berlin, as well as announcements from Paramount and DreamWorks that they were going HD DVD exclusive. So what does all this mean for us, the end users, the film movie buffs uh, who use the HD formats? Um, Let's open this up for a little bit of a discussion straight away to the benefits of each format. I'm a dual format owner. Kaz, you're a dual format owner, is that correct? Yes, I am. As well as Chris. Chris, you've got both formats? I have indeed, yes. A foot um, in both camps. A foot in both camps. I think I think we've all got a foot in both camps, apart from Simon. Simon, you're HD DVD, but that's just logistic-wise, isn't it? It was, yeah. Um, but although, um, I mean, this will probably come later, I am probably be going to go 
getting one foot in both camps as you as you um as you put it by um i won't say the uh the, the console that i'll probably be getting but um that will lead me to have both blu-ray and hd simply because the quality of blu-ray discs that are coming out at the moment has swayed me to purchase such console okay so let's just um have have a quick discussion on on what we think um are the selling points of both formats we'll start with hd dvd and let's move to cars cars what sells hd dvd to you well for me the biggest difference has always been um the interactivity the picture in picture i'm not too sure about the whole u control thing i think that's a bit gimmicky but the ability to have what is effectively a video commentary with behind-the-scenes footage and uh, the director and the cast actually talking, you can see them talking, uh, in the bottom of your screen while you're watching the movie, I think that is showing a step, a considerable step up from standard def DVD. And it is something that you don't get on Blu-ray. The the Blu-ray equivalent tends to be um, uh, you can skip maybe using the white rabbit kind of concept to the behind the scenes features or you can obviously listen to the commentaries um but that's all that's all old school technology for me that's all standard def dvd technology um blu-ray simply haven't got their acting gear with regards to the bd java um it's disappointing considering how long it's been out and if it weren't for that i would probably be swayed towards blu-ray it's the biggest thing that I think makes a difference for me, is having those extra extra special, extra features. And uh, let's move on to Chris. Chris, selling points for HD DVD for you? Well, they're more or less the same sort of thing. Um, yeah, the, the obviously, the, the on the surface, the better quality special features. Uh, the picture-in-picture is, it's only a glorious advance, without a doubt. I mean, the only... Blu-ray came close to it with, uh, with the descent, but of course theirs was a different streamed video of the movie, just with the uh, the box out already, you know, firmly entrenched upon it. Uh, yeah, Blu-ray Java is really <laughs> it's it's dragging its heels. I mean, what was it? Master and Commander's been put back until next year. Am I right about that? Yep. Because because of the, these exact problems, uh, which is a disgrace. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have been out for a long, long time. But back to HD. Uh, Certainly when the whole thing was kicking off, I couldn't wait for HD, and I thought Blu-ray, well, I don't know what about that, I don't know, that's just a rival gimmicky new one, oh, that's not going to work, and uh, I, I couldn't wait for, for HD, and I was very impressed with it. Um, the machine that I have, what I don't like about it is the, the extremely slow load-up time for them, um, but, you know, it's livable with, but personally, I have a sort of preference for Blu-ray, Maybe it's just because of the uh, the swanky blue box. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I just I, I I'm more comfortable with Blu-ray. I certainly you're getting more titles coming out on Blu-ray week by week. You're getting more. Um, obviously, there's there's sort of swings and turnarounds in that. But uh, by and large, the films that I like, the films that I want in high and high def, they're coming out on Blu-ray. They're not coming out on HD. As good as HD is, and I'll, I'm there's certainly films which are only on HD at the moment and certainly with certain you know, recent developments they're going to be it's going to be staying that way by the looks of things you know so I'm quite happy to have them both but given the choice uh, I'd go for I'd go for the blue 
Let's move on to Simon. Simon, you've hinted at the fact that you're going to go Blu-ray, but what was the selling point for you with HD DVD? Was it just because it was released first? Um, it, well, it was released first, and it had the DVD logo, doesn't it? I mean, every, we, we all have DVDs, and I thought, HD DVD, that's got to be the way to go. What the hell is this Blu-ray thing? Sony, they're trying to rule the world. Um, and really, it was a bit you know, bias in that, in that opinion. And I really, and I sort of stuck with my guns. And as you said, I do have a logistic problem. I haven't got a, a huge amount of room in my stack here. And, and the Blu-ray player <laughs> itself just wouldn't fit. You know, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fit simply it's as simple as that. Um, but with the, the, the amount of films that are now that are coming out on Blu-ray, as Chris has hinted at, he and I have very, very similar taste in films. Um, they, it, you know, I don't want to cut my arm off. And yeah, not we, pre- have. we prefer blue movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would lead you to the HD, surely, because that's where they <laughs> yeah, are yeah. exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I, I made the choice for HD again. That's, I mean, that's, that's quite a good point, actually. The the, the, the that um, HD would, if they, if you wanted to describe it as a war, um, going back to VHS Betamax, VHS one, because they had porn. Um, Blu-ray said, no, we're not going to do it. So lead, leads you to think that HD DVD is going to be the one to go. That one will survive in in, in an up and coming war. Um, although I believe that is now changing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think there is. I was hinted at that there may be the very first Blu-ray porno film. But anyway, <laughs> that's another round table. That one, isn't it? Another round table. Yeah, for for another time <laughs> in the back in the back room. Well, I think to to move the conversation on a little bit. I, I feel that the the main selling points for me is that HD DVD is a finished format. Um, they signed off on what HD DVD was going to be before it was released, and um, there hasn't been any changes to the specification. That every disc that's released has to have uh, the HDI content. Every disc that that's released has to have um, uh, certain codecs. Uh, that needs to be used and the the hardware side of things has to have an ethernet connection and and it also has to have the capacity for hd audio uh, whereas when we move on to blu-ray blu-ray is an, unfor- an unfinished format uh we're still waiting on profile 1.1 um it seems to be that it's developing as it goes along in terms of movies for me personally, I'm a movie fan, so if a movie's on a certain format, I will go and buy it just because I want to have that movie. However, I think the other big thing that, that puts me off um, for the Blu-ray side of things is the fact that you either have to have a console to watch Blu-ray or you have to go and buy a player, which is going to cost you at least £500 upwards. Yes, I know the, the first-generation players are a lot cheaper now, However, if you want to have a Profile 1.1 player that's going to play all the BD Java stuff, then you're going to have to spend quite a bit of money on a standalone player. Of course, the PS3 can be updated for that as well. But there will be a lot of people who, you know, they buy the PS3 to play games. They don't buy the PS3 to watch movies. Exactly. Um, it, so it is a very, very good um, Blu-ray player, though, I've got to say, because I've, I've watched a fair few things on, on PS3. Well, I'm, uh, I'm using the PS3 as my main Blu-ray player, and it is, yeah. a, it is a good player once you have the remote control and so on. However, Joe Public, um, they're not used to the concept that they've got to go and buy a, a games machine to watch the movies, and no. those people that buy a PS3, certainly in my opinion, um, are not the type of people who are going to go and buy loads of uh, movies to watch. Possibly so. And um, then another thing, of course, is that early adopters such as ourselves 
um, who are standalone Blu-ray players, um, are going to find themselves in a bit of an awkward position where our machines may well be ob- obsolete by a certain point. That's um, very true. Yeah, so we're going to, although you, you took the plunge, you're going to have to go and do it again, aren't you? Just to uh, keep up with the, the, the latest releases, which is a real shame. And it's not not a good not a good uh, or even viable at the moment for me prospect. Well, this this is the other big stumbling point. However, let's move back to what we discuss best, and that's movies. And Yay. let's let's move the the conversation on a little bit. Okay, Paramount and DreamWorks they've jumped ship. They've gone with HD DVD, and they've given a few reasons for that. But um, initially, guys, what were your thoughts when that news broke um, almost a month ago now? And let's go to Simon first. Well, I thought that was great news because obviously I don't have a Blu-ray player yet. So I was jumping up and down saying, hurrah! (laughs) Um, um, Paramount, Star Trek, fantastic. There's a set coming out um, in November anyway. Fantastic. You know, that's the best thing for me. Brilliant. Yeah, love it. (laughs) But I I think the big movie as well... Is it's got to be Transformers? Transformers yeah. is only going to be available on HD DVD because of this announcement. What what were your views on that, Christopher? Well, that was the big sucker punch, that wasn't it? I mean, it only just come out. It was a great big movie. Everyone, you know, you got to look at our forums and the amount of debating that took place about oh, it's going to look great on Blu-ray and all that. And then, of course, that bombshell dropped. And uh, well, yeah. It is definitely annoying, and they were def. I mean, we, we all know the rumours, the 150 million payout, wasn't it, or something, to to go exclusive. How true or not that is, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I, you know, I, I think it's possibly, certainly, <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> my inside man tells me such. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to get it anyway, but I, but it's suckers like me. I'm going to buy the HD version, and then at some point, somewhere down the line. You're going to have a Blu-ray. It's not going to remain HD, the the province of HD forevermore. So we're going to have to, it's double dipping all over again, isn't it? It is. All brought on by a bloody bogus war. It's marketing, it's business. Uh, There's nothing that we can do about this, though, because they don't listen to Joe Public, do they? You know, they they certainly don't. I mean, the amount of movies that, yeah, Paramount's got got a few clinches in there. But you know, it's not. There's not much longevity there. They can keep releasing Star Trek <laughs> forevermore, but the sheer number of studios and the product that's coming out on, on Blu-ray, you know, if you if you're going to try, it's impossible to to weigh up these things depending on fans of certain movies and that. Uh, but there's certainly more variety and, and more choice on on Blu-ray, uh, and obviously the people who have you know, both formats. Are going to have to indulge in, <laughs> in titles on both formats, aren't they, for, for the foreseeable? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, again, Joe Public, the you know the man on the street who doesn't really know what's going on, doesn't know what he's going to buy. But oh, I've heard about these high definition. I'll have to get myself a new screen, so he invests in that. What's the best player? He goes to you know Richer Sounds or wherever on the high street, uh, Curry's, and you know he gets a lot of waffle from the salesman there. Who, who, let's face it, don't know anything at all, and they, they, well, they, they're, they're going to sell what their machine in front of them is, aren't they? And that poor guy is going to walk out with possibly, for him, will be a dead duck because the films he wants to replace from his VHS collection or his DVD collection um, aren't going to be on that particular format. And then he's going to be sitting there having spent next amount of £100 with a wife who's going irate, 
you and your movies, and oh yeah, now look what you've got. You've all you've got is only fools and horses, <laughs> you know. And you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but because it's e- it's easy to sit back when you've got both formats. Um, well, help. The, the, the interesting <laughs> thing that you mentioned there was this this rumor of the 150 million. And let's be honest about that. Um, let's let's just take away a, a lot of the BS that's been on a lot of the forum sites. Um, there's there's been a lot of money spent on Blu-ray as well, and you're not telling me that Fox and some of the other studios have not been um, given sweeteners to go onto the Blu-ray format. And I just want to bring in something here which I was told by an insider, and I won't name my sources, but uh, we're going back to December last year, and this insider told me um, the exact costs of putting things on a disc. And the fact that Blu-ray was developed as a recording format for Japan originally um but when the pvrs came along um obviously blu-ray was going to lose out so they made it into a, a format which could carry movies and it actually cost one dollar 43 cents to master each blu-ray disc whereas hd dvd is structured the same as a, a normal a, a dvd obviously the encoding is a little bit different there's like a couple of little differences but the production lines can be easily changed um, from DVD to, to master on um, HD DVD. And it only costs them $0.22 cents a disc to uh, to make an HD DVD. So let's look back again at Paramount and what they said. What Paramount said was they're doing it for commercial reasons, cost reasons, and as well as backing something that they thought had longevity. Now, if Paramount are turning around and saying that, that must mean, because they were releasing on both formats the HD DVD is the more cost-effective platform for them to release their product. And I'll throw another one in here. Obviously, they can then produce in higher numbers um, because it's not costing them as much money. And, of course, the hardware's finished. The format is finished. Um, There are no profile 1.1s or 1.2s or 2.0s to add to HD DVD. So when you look at it that way, this whole 150 thousand million dollars or whatever it was they were given um allegedly to jump ship when you actually look behind the scenes and you look at things in a little bit more detail certainly for me things come a little bit more clearly and at the end of the day it's all it's all about the content and it's always about the price in the high street and of course ventura they've turned around and said that they're going to release a 200 dollar machine in time for christmas Equate that to an Asda bargain over here. <laughs> yeah. It makes things look slightly different, does it not? Damn you! I see your point. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I I always hear the quote that uh, Blu-rays are selling twice as many as HD DVDs. And I, I think that's probably mirrored by my own collection, because when I started on HD, I had like 20 HDs in one Blu-ray, Casino Royale. And then uh, now, the difference between the two stacks is uh, about five DVDs. Blu-ray is easily caught up. There are many more of them. I see many more around. And even if they're selling two to one, um, what Phil says is absolutely right. If it's costing uh, a fifth of the price, HD is still making more money than Blu-ray because it's obviously costing a lot more to produce those Blu-ray discs. They'd have to sell five to one to make a significant difference. 
and uh, also heard stats about how, how the market for Blu-ray and HD is still uh, a tiny percentage, like 4% of the entire um, disc sales when you could take into account standard DVD. So it's clear people haven't quite ported over yet in the droves. It's still, uh, it's still an initial sort of breeding period. Um, and I guess from that, we're going to see them both last quite a long time. I think the Paramount whole buying out Paramount thing is just um, it just hit the headlines because we saw figures they were a big company they had Transformers but honestly it must have been done before Sony must have been doing it loads of times we just didn't hear about it first off yeah it's it's all interesting stuff and what we don't want to do here and what I don't want the listeners to think is that um, any of us have, have actually chosen sides I know I haven't chosen any side um, other than on technical issues, and I happen to think that HD DVD is the finished product. However, saying that, um, personally, I, th- I think Blu-ray also has quite a bit to offer. It's just a little bit frustrating that if you are a first-generation customer like myself, uh, like a few of us uh, who do the reviews, we may suffer come the end of October, and um, that's the disappointing thing. I think Blu-ray might lose some ground on that. So let's move things along. Let's look at both formats from a film buff point of view. There's a lot of choice out there, isn't there, Chris? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. The, the amount of stuff coming out on both formats overall is, is truly staggering. Um, I mean, I'm still buying a lot of standard stuff, but they tend to be things which have just seen the light of day for the first time, perhaps ever, i.e. the vintage stuff that I you know, adore. Um, and I know that at some point they're going to be dredged up onto a, a high-def format and I'm going to have to go and get them all over again, which I will very gladly do when the time comes. But yeah, I don't know how many people are actually go into the shops and buying these things. I mean, if you go into HMV, the, well, the UK prices are just ridiculous, aren't they, for either HD or Blu-ray. And it also, I'd like to point out that Blu-ray has a, on each particular rack in HMV, Certainly the one in Liverpool has a... You're talking about eight rows of Blu-rays as opposed to three of HD. So, I mean, Joe Public again goes in there and what's he going to be confronted by? Well, those, those red ones, don't have many of them. Ooh, look at all those blue ones. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I think I'll have some of those. Um, but, yeah, the prices in the UK are ridiculous. So I, I take it we're all, we're all importing away merrily, aren't we? Well, that's a big thing as well. That happened with DVD to start with. Everybody sort of imported their discs um, from the States. It seems to be happening again with, with the HD formats. It's interesting what you say there, Chris, and I've noticed it as well on the high street, that um, Blu-ray, certainly at this moment in time, has more shelf space than HD DVD. Uh, you just have to look at blockbusters as well. They won't um, certainly rent HD DVD in their shops at this moment in time. You can rent yeah, it yeah. online, but not within the shops. Um but I guess we always then come back to, well, you've got to buy a player to play these discs on, and we're still waiting on Profile 1.1. Prices are still going to be high on the hardware. So um, do you think that that's a, a major stumbling block? I'm, I'm not sure whether the um, the consumer... I, I, I think for absolute diehard film fans, which I'm sure we all are, then you're going to go out and want the best of the best. But there are going to be a lot of people out there who quite like the idea of, get, of uh, getting both the next generation games player 
and the next generation generation high definition um, player uh, in the same package. So whilst I do agree that a lot of people like their standalone stuff if they're film collectors, um, the, the, there are going to be some out there who think I'm going to get a PS3 and I'm going to get a Blu-ray player thrown into the mix. Uh, I think that maybe that does have its benefits in its own right. It's certainly, you know, if you compare to the people who buy Xboxes, they're going to have to go out and buy an HD player. Why would they do that? If they wanted an HD player, they'd buy a standalone HD player. They don't have the same sort of luxury. Um, and I think that, that, that is a bit of a selling point. Um, I admit that the Blu-ray standalone players are pretty expensive and they haven't perfected the technology. It annoys the hell out of me. Um, but I know if they perfected their extras, if they got BD Java right, and if they started releasing discs which had the best the best versions out, which I think HD tend to do, I would probably switch camp. Um, I, I've been disappointed by more Blu-ray discs than HD discs, but for some reason I still want Blu-ray to win. Uh, even if <laughs> I think it was absolutely ridiculous that uh, they that they pla- that they denied the release of the uncut Die Hard on uh, Blu-ray, oh, yeah. I, I think that's an appalling decision. It's it's you know if I if I um if I had any say in it, it just wouldn't wouldn't be happening because I know what's going to happen is that I'm going to want both the Blu-ray version and the bloody DVD version, the standard def DVD <laughs> version. There's no reason that should happen. And they've, they've done got it us by the they, short and careless. Yeah, they did it with Fantastic Four when there was an extended cut. They just released the normal cut. They did it with the Transporter when there was a DVD packed with like extended fight scenes. They released a bare bones disc. They did it with the Rock when there was a DVD with an audio commentary. They they pulled all of the Criterion edition material onto the Blu-ray disc, except for the commentary. They, Blu-ray get it wrong a lot more than HD, and I can't believe I'm suckered in by the fact that the cover is blue. <laughs> Just, uh, it's an appalling but positive selling point. The, the, <laughs> there was an interesting point that you raised there regarding the PS3, and yes, I take that argument. However, I'm going to throw it back to you in a slightly different way. You're Joe Public, you go into Carrie's this Christmas and you're either going to buy a high-def TV or you're looking for uh, the latest gadget and you see the PS3 at 400 quid. Yes, it plays games. Yes, it'll play your Blu-rays. But next to that, you've got a Ventura player and you've got a Toshiba player, both under under £200. Which one are you going to go with? Or which one yeah, is Joe Public going to go with? As Plus, soon as these um, budget players come out, which I assume is later on this year, is it? Uh, well, Toshiba's next month, so it's it's October so that they're going to come out. Yeah, so as soon as they come out, the idea of buying an Xbox 360 and a standalone HD player for the same price as you would pay for a PS3, that's excellent. But for as long as the PS3's been out, uh, it has had that advantage. I agree, when the, when the cheap HD players come out, that should be an instant turning point, because it's much more like the sort of prices you'd pay for the um, when DVD picked off. Uh, sorry, picked off. When DVD kicked off in the uh, in the early days, and when they were around 200, they became affordable to a much greater um, section of the public. And I think that that will turn around HD DVD sales. And let let's just move it on one step further. How many Blu-ray players do you think they'll be giving away free when you buy a TV? <laughs> None. Okay. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
okay, so yeah, we 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 tend to, and I, and I apologise for being very HD DVD heavy. If that's how it, it seems that I'm coming across, I'm just trying to cover all the arguments for our conversation here. Um, <laughs> like I say, I ain't picking any format as a winner. Um, I think it's very dangerous to do so at this moment in time, especially as things can change so quickly. And I suppose we should end it on the interesting comment which came from Warners very recently, which was they're going to wait to the end of this quarter, quarter four, um, and then see where they are. That's a change in strategy. They were very much um, into providing on both formats. They were going to release total HD uh, discs, which would have HD DVD one side, Blu-ray the other. They've also postponed that indefinitely. So are we likely to see them jumping ship when it comes to the end of Christmas? It could get very interesting yet. Um, any of you guys got any thoughts on that? Well, I personally, <laughs> I personally don't want them to jump ship. I'm actually at the stage where I kind of don't want either formats to drop. I, ideally, an HD um, DVD and Blu-ray combo player would be the, a great solution to a lot of people who have both formats. Um, but if I had had to pick one at the moment, it would have to be HD. So if it's going to go that way, that that would be good news. But you just said you love Blu-ray a minute ago. I, I love Blu-ray, but it's got all the faults. I mean, at the moment, um, I well, love Blu-ray because it's blue. But I've, if I got rid of, <laughs> if I had to get rid of one of the two stacks of of um, high def discs I have here, um, the ones with the biggest faults are the Blu-ray ones. The ones that are with the niggles that I don't like, with the fact that they're not quite as good as some of the DVD counterparts, are the Blu-ray ones. The ones which seem like the progressive definitive editions are the HD um, copies I've got. So I would have to go for HD. The fact that I like Blu-ray, the fact that the player plays a bit quicker and uh, you know some of the titles that are exclusive to Blu-ray are great, um, isn't enough when you consider the fact that they're so flawed at the moment. And potential is no longer enough to sell it. Chris, what's your final thoughts on things? I'm not sure how to follow any of that, to be honest. Um, I, I enjoy both formats immensely. Um, I, I think it would be a shame to see one of them go. The idea of a, a, a combo player um, just fills me sort of with a lot of dread because the amount of times, I mean, if Blu-ray can't get their act together with Blu-ray Java and all that for, for over a year now, <laughs> what chance does um, a combo player stand with getting its niggles finalised? I think that would just take forever. But I'm, again, it boils down to titles for me. Uh, whatever the studio has decided to do, you know, the, the, the films themselves come first. I'm lucky to be in a position where I can get get them on either. That's not a luxury for everybody, I know. But even because I'm such an ardent lover of movies, no matter what my circumstances were. Uh, whatever happens with this war um, in the future and you know, new technology coming in, um, I will always improvise and adapt to whatever comes next because, as I say, the films are what I want and I want to see them on the best possible you know, format. If it's one or the other, <laughs> I, I will you know, chop and change as and when. Yeah, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head for me as well. I think it's all about... Uh, the content at the end of the day and how that content is presented. Um, I don't really have any preferences. I get annoyed with Blu-ray and the continuing problems. Um, and I get annoyed as well that Toshiba doesn't get behind its format a bit more than it 
than it should do. But saying that, at the end of the day, it's a content, it's who provides the content, and it's whether it's good content or not, which is what I go for personally. And to finish off, we're going to go to Simon. Simon, what's your final thoughts on the HD DVD Blu-ray fiasco? Well, I think you've got to go with HD, haven't you? I've said that right from the beginning, (laughs) even though I'm going to probably get a a PlayStation 2 because I love some of the films that are going out, but, you know... (laughs) HD's a, a PlayStation to 2, eh? Yeah. <laughs> PlayStation 3, whichever it is, see? <laughs> okay. Oh, stick with the HDs, mate. Yeah, yeah, stick, just with, stick, the HDs. stick with HD. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that wraps up our roundtable for this week. Yeah, we're. Uh, it, it's one of these subjects where we're never going to win with any of the arguments that get put across. And uh, certainly, the, there is no bias apart from cars liking the blue boxes. Uh, compared to the red boxes. That's the only bit of bias I can find in this conversation. I think, and I, I hope you guys agree with me, it all comes down to content at the end of the day because we're all film fans. Am I right in saying that? Totally right. Exactly. Yeah. Films come first. And that wraps up our AV Forums and Movies edition for this month. I hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to. And remember, if you have any comments, queries or questions, you can either send us an email to help at avpodcast.co.uk or you can let us know your feelings in the podcast forum by replying to the thread which relates to this podcast. And we will be back again next month with more movie talk movie reviews and of course all things HD next month this is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll see you again the AV podcast was presented by Phil Hinton original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove the AV podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright all content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only the AV podcast is copyright M2M Limited.